0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you.
1: We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond.
0: Alright, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 111 and it's titled The Dark Side of the Me Too Movement. This, this could potentially, and I don't really know where this discussion is going to go, but it could potentially be one of our more controversial uh, episodes that we've done. Um, because I think we're probably going to get some, I mean, just look at the title, right? The dark side of the Me Too movement right now. We've already triggered at least a hundred (laughs) people just by saying that there even is a dark side to it. So, um, I think it's going to be really fascinating conversation. We have a special guest and I'm really looking forward to, to getting it going.
1: Yes. So before we introduce our guest, let's give a big shout out to our sponsor, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills. So go to powerandmastery.com. So, today we have Sarah Rose with us. Sarah Rose is a Tantra practitioner and the founder of the Tantric Sex Coaching Service, Tantric Activation. Sarah developed her coaching techniques by studying Tantra, mixing in evolutionary biology, and adapting the method for practical use in the modern world. So, welcome, Sarah.
2: Hey, so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. So I know Kevin, you had a little something that you wanted to put into place as we are going to explore the Me Too movement. We need to go a little bit back in time.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's really interesting because I knew the topic of this show was going to be specifically Me Too movement. But for some reason, when I sat down and started like kind of mapping out, like, what do I want to talk about? All these thoughts and ideas and questions about sort of feminism came in because for some reason in my mind, it seemed like the two might be linked. I don't know if they are or not, but that's kind of part of the questioning. That's where we're going to start going with this to see if the different waves of feminism in the past have kind of led us to where we are now. And then have we stayed on track or have we gotten off track? That that sort of thing. So that that's kind of the direction I wanted to start with. And then, you know, we'll go from there. And I just had a few notes in here, just for those who aren't super aware. When we talk feminism, it's a word that's thrown out there that um, can mean a lot of different things. Because, you know, there's first wave, second wave, third wave. Now there's even people talking about fourth waves, possibly even fifth waves, depending on who you talk to and how you research. And each one of those sort of had a different goal in mind. So like when we're talking about first wave feminism, Um, really that the whole goal of that was to get women the right to vote. Mm -hmm. That was really their main goal. They wanted to be able to participate in that noble goal, of course. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Then comes the second wave. And the second wave was really about women being able to get the same jobs and the same pay. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would argue with that either. I mean, of course, right? That's just a given. Mm -hmm. Then we start getting into the third wave. And what I found interesting when I was researching it about the third wave is that, and I'll, I'll quote here an article that I found online. It says the third wave saw the emergence of new feminist currents and theories such as intersectionality, sex positivity, vegetarian ecofeminism, trans feminism, and postmodern feminism. And what struck me about that was it seems to have sharply deviated from Let's empower women. Let's get them on the same even level as men and started going off into subjects that while they might be slightly related, mm-hmm. seem to be not really, really related at all. And so the question that came into to my head was Does the Me Too movement, is that a continuation? Like, did the Me Too movement start? on the um, heels, sort of, of all these previous waves? Is this sort of a natural progression, or is this something completely separate from any of that?
2: Hmm. I haven't uh, studied that quickly, so I can't give you a definitive answer. Um, I mean, there's maybe some question. I do think that the, the Me Too movement is is another wave of women's empowerment um, in, in in theory and in practice and a lot of time as well. I, I there is a shadow side to that has occurred. Um, but I think that, you know, the origins of Me Too um, really were in alignment with trying to empower women to have a voice, to be taken more seriously, to be able to be heard and respected. Um, unfortunately, as tends to be human nature, people take advantage of situations. And we've seen um, some women, you know, make claims that have not been true, which is unfortunate for all the other women that are speaking fully. Then that um, tends to diminish uh, their credibility. And so, I think we, you know, we definitely have some challenges with what's going on.
0: Oh, yes. And we're, we're going to dive deeper into a lot of the things that you started there. Um, so I think the, the next question, be, before we go too far into the dark side and have everybody rip us apart about, you're only talking about the negative stuff, right? <laughs> you did mention that there have been some benefits. So the, what I'd like to explore next is like, hey, let's... Let's go into like what have been the real benefits for women, potentially for men, and society as a whole in regards to the Me Too movement. Like let's let's start positive.
2: Yeah, I mean, sexual abuse is a real issue uh, for men and for women. Like in it's, it's something that as society we have got to see like sexual abuse cannot be tolerated. And so I think that that part of the media movement of really um, bringing to the the spotlight um, in both politics and society uh, that we've got to take a stand against this, this little kind of the, the elephant in the room, the thing that everyone knows about, no one talks about, I mean, even within people's own families, Daughters telling mothers, you know, dad did this to me. And the mother's just like, shut your mouth. Don't ever talk about that kind of thing. And that's not okay. We cannot do this as a society. And so really giving people the the permission the space to to speak up about this and, and start to say like, no, we're not going to tolerate this is very important. Um, so I'm 100% behind that.
1: Okay, so... I think that, you know, as a starting point, like it had a lot of good intention and that like a lot of things, like with every movement that kind of comes a backlash and a turmoil. And, and I think that what I would love to explore is, you know, there was this whole idea with the Me Too movement that it's believable women mentality and it is well intentioned, but it's completely misguided and harmful and actually harmful to both men and women. And what I do see is the belief or women is, unfortunately, we are forgetting a big part that a lot of people lie, whether they're men or women, people will lie. And we forget to take that into consideration. And I was curious too, because I do see that, um, for men, there's, it could also affect how they will show up with women rather than being our allies, they might start to, um, maybe be more afraid or is concerned about how they interact with us and, um, and then i also see another f- another part in here which is about lumping every woman together into the meter movement some women have spoken up saying like hey uh it's taking away from the personal individual by just lumping it into this big thing and it kind of loses its meaning uh for the person as an individual so i'm curious to explore more about from your point of view sarah how it's affecting men in general and how do you see like because when we are talking about the dark side like how this could impact the man-female relationship dynamic there and mostly in a negative way
0: yeah and i'm just going to add to that really quick so how have you seen it affect men but also as a tantra practitioner how has that potentially impacted your work and Mm -hmm. how you work with people too
2: yeah, there's, there's a lot in all of that. I, I think that it's important to remember that men have experienced a lot of sexual abuse as well. So this is not something that is, uh, only that only women go through. And the statistics show one in two women, one in five men currently, but most of the time men don't speak up about it. So it really could be that the statistics for men are higher than one in five. But regardless, that's a lot of men that are, are suffering from sexual abuse. And so it's important that that is a part of this conversation. And um, I do think what seen is that there is an attack on masculinity. And uh, Me Too has been weaponized in, to promote, to further the attack on masculinity in many ways. And so that's an aspect of movement that um, that I think is really out of integrity with what it's supposed to be doing. So um, we have seen that there, and really the the attack on masculinity comes from so much wounding. I have and I have a lot of compassion and empathy for people, both men and women. Um. That, that have this wounding um that comes from their experience of, of men um but we need to work towards healing rather than furthering attacks and you know using big big movements like this um as weapons towards each other
0: so That's a great, I have a great follow-up question for that. So you're saying that um, the movement has basically been weaponized to intentionally harm masculinity. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on why that is.
2: So I that there are um, a lot of people that really do despise patriarchy, and patriarchy has, I'm sure, some value to it, but that it has harmed a lot of women, um, but a lot of men have been harmed by patriarchy as well. Um, but often we put the word men, male, masculinity into the same um, category as patriarchy, and men are not patriarchy. It's the system that's in place that that has harmed all genders. Uh, and so when we're, we see the attacks on masculinity it's often really an attack on patriarchy unfortunately including all men which is um, not the right way to go uh, so in and in this we see women claiming to be feminists or even men claiming to be feminists that use a lot of the same tactics that claim to despise about the patriarchy and so um it's like and also what it, what it does is we, 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 from the women that we have, like men, I see a lot of men shut down their masculine because They don't want to be associated with, um, something that's negative, something that society is, is really shaming now. And so they're shut down their masculine power. Um, and then you see, They don't want to contribute to the problem. They have women in their life that they, that they love that they have seen harmed by men and that have used their masculine power in, in, horrible ways Um, or even against themselves, you know, as children, maybe they had a father that was an alcoholic that, um, you know, that was very abusive. And they're like, I don't ever want to be that. And it really impacts their view of what it means to be a man. And a lot of men just shut it down because they don't want to contribute to the problem. Um, The problem is that abuse is the issue, not men. Um, But sometimes those get, you know, just kind of intertwined in this situation that we're in and then you have women that have been abused by men who just who say well i'm just going to become more like a man if i am more masculine then i can't hurt man and so then we see women like disown feminine essence and like losing their femininity and then we got like two two genders that are kind of denying their traits uh their their original traits uh, and and then all, we wonder why there's so many issues in relationship and why there's lack of attraction and it's because we're, <laughs> we're already really messed up when it comes to this
0: there are so many things that you said in there that I would love to come back to, but I think, Celine, you had something you wanted to share first. Um,
1: well, I was thinking we we dedicated an entire episode on polarity. That was a hundredth episode where we're really breaking down uh, the importance of the masculine and feminine energy and really like playing with that in order to have long lasting attraction in relationships. So make sure you listen to that because Sarah brought a really good point that it is essential for a relationship, for having of like passion in a long term relationship to being able to embody both energies—the feminine and the masculine energy. There was something that I was thinking about when you said. I was super curious about your opinion when uh, about when a man says he's a feminist. How? Do, what do you think about that?
2: Uh so when a man says he's a feminist, uh, I tend to think that he's supportive of women. That he. He has daughters uh, and a wife that he respects and that he is um, supportive of equality, things that, um, which tend to be a uh, part of feminism. But um, it's, I feel like it's a hard thing for a man to say because uh, there, there's, men, men are damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? Like if they are Um, embodying masculine traits, then they're accused of being toxic, they're sick, masculine, like, and you're not supposed to act like that. But then if a man doesn't embody those traits, what we would deem traditionally masculine, then he's made fun of he's a soy boy, or he's, you know, Peter Pan syndrome. Uh, He's a metrosexual, you know, we have like all these terms that are mostly derogatory men that are not traditionally masculine, but then the guys that are, they're attacked as being toxic. What are, they, what are they supposed to do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to a few things that you said before. And one of them is you made a clear distinction between patriarchy and men. And I really loved that reframe because I don't think that is really shared enough out there. There is a system that we call patriarchy, that is oppressive, yes, specifically to women, but also somewhat to men as well, as you stated. And that is really separate from men themselves. And I think it's really dangerous to lump all men into they're all part of the patriarchy. So that, that was a, a really great point that I hope our listeners take away from this episode. The second thing that I want to talk about was exactly what you said, which is, you know, these well-intentioned men who want to support women and feminism because they know that it's the right thing to do, that we are all equal, right? Like that's like I said sort of in the beginning, of course, who would argue with that, right? But yet they do exactly what you said, which is they sort of deny their masculine qualities. And I we see that because we've talked about this a lot. We've done multiple episodes on polarity and stuff like that, but... What makes for a great relationship is that polarity. And we've made it very clear that it's masculine and feminine energies and that, you know, women can embody masculine energies and men can embody feminine energies. But when you have two people coming together, you need to have those opposite energies present in order for there to be real attraction and real chemistry. And so what you were describing was you've got men who are trying to feminize themselves and not have such masculine traits. And then in response, you have women who are now masculinizing themselves, right? So we started out, I'm holding my hands up for those listening uh, uh, on the podcast and not watching the video, but we started out, not really opposites, but we started out sort of opposed in in our energies and we're both coming to the center now, right? And occupying almost the same space. So we see that as really destroying the polarity in any relationship. I'm wondering if in your um, teachings and in your practices, like, do you see the same thing happening
2: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I really encourage men to show up strong in their masculine energy to heal the wounding that they have around masculinity. Because the men that I work with are heterosexual men. So um, I'm not working with people that are considering themselves to be non-binary or homosexual or things like that. And people... in um, that identify in different ways are going to have their own way going about this. But I specifically were with sexual men. And so these men, I'm like, you've got to embody your masculine energy in a powerful way. And we do all the work around around healing that. And what does it mean to show up as, as a man, as masculine, as masculinity domination? Is it taking? Because often that's the way that it, it is portrayed. Um, but can a man instead a warrior, can he be a protector? Can he, you know, show up in those ways for the, the w- woman and for his daughters? Um, And that type of energy is so incredibly masculine and so attractive to a woman. Um, And it's also very healthy as
1: so I'm curious if you have um, a practice or something that our listeners, especially our, our male audience can start doing right now um, to get more in touch with their own masculine power. Of course, we have our own and we've shared those online already, but I'm curious about what do you have for our listeners, for our male audience right now to start reconnecting with their masculine power?
2: Yeah, um, one of the things that I actually encourage men to do is some sort of martial arts where they learn how to fight, where they learn how to defend. And I I think that's really an important aspect because when you look at us on a biological level, we have um, fight and fuck instincts. And like those are the two reasons that we're here. And we see in current society that men are very disconnected from both like they're, they're sh- those aspects of masculinity are heavily shamed if a, if a man is like just look at the military for instance does the military do everything right no absolutely not but you can see how men that are in the military there's like this stigma about them right like oh you're you're out there you're killing people like how do you Kill innocent people. How could you, you know, defend a country that that like ours that does so many horrendous things around the world, right? So men that embody that that ability to protect and defend are heavily shamed. Not saying that there's nothing that goes wrong in those in those arenas because there clearly is, but you can really just see how there's an attack on men that that embodied type of energy. The same that we see. Um, In the the police system, there are a lot of horrendous things that are going on in society in regards to that. But there are a lot of officers out there that are doing the right thing as well. But the entire system is being attacked uh, because of what some of these men are doing. But again, who are these men they're men that are supposed to be protectors and defenders and so the aspect of masculinity is really heavily shamed and so we need to allow men to have a place where they can in a healthy way in a really um in a in a way that is positive be able to protect and defend that's a very natural instinct for a man and if he if he doesn't have that if that's taken away from him part of Part of our, like, it's it's our survival instinct. And when you take that away from people, you're really taking away a big part of their power. And then same with the sexuality. Men are, you know, either told you're supposed to fuck as many women as you possibly can, and that's what makes you a man, or sex is very shameful, it's dirty, it's dangerous, you need to stay away from from it, don't have sex at all. And so they're they're put into these two extremes, and that also disconnects them from their sexuality. And so men are just inherently disempowered uh, in these two very fundamental aspects of who they are. And so um, when working with men, I mean, I I have a six month coaching program. So it's hard to say like just this one thing, because we really go into so much around the psychological, the emotional aspects of it all um, on a really deep level. Uh, I wish I could just be like, here's a quick fix, um, <laughs> but I, I don't have one.
0: <laughs> well, there's no such thing as a as a quick fix, but you know, now you're speaking my language, right? <laughs> Fucking fight! So I've, <laughs> I've I've been a martial arts practitioner for I don't I don't even know how long now, fifteen, eighteen years, something like that. I've trained in multiple arts, and I actually teach martial arts also. So I 100% agree with you that I think that it is a great way for men to get in touch with their masculine side in a healthy way and at the same time learn a practical skill that could maybe one day save your life or your significant other's life. Mm -hmm. So totally agree with that. I think that's great. I think anything that um, really helps men embody who they are as a masculine but doing it in a, in a safe and responsible way is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. So I want to explore more around the fucking part, but before that, we want to have a quick, um, Invitation to our listener, if you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, and you're tired of stale, mechanical mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. So give us 90 days and we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. And Yes, there's fucking and fighting, but the good kind of fighting in there. So you can find more about the program at CelineRemy.com forward slash passion.
0: Well, let's talk more about the fucking because that actually is my favorite of the two.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So because I want to tie it to the conversation we're having around the Me Too movement. And so definitely something that I've seen happening is that... I, I I do believe that it has put men in a very difficult situation where they have to start to kill their own instincts at times on their own sexuality or or just sexual energy because they're too afraid sometimes of being misunderstood. And I'm curious to see what you think about that. Around like, uh, has the me too impacted men's in their ability to express their sexual energy freely?
2: Yeah. So I see it from a couple different angles. I see it from the perspective of the men that I work directly with, but then I'm also single and I'm out there dating. So I, I get that side of it too. Um, and I, I tend to, to work with the really good guys, like the guys that just inspire me. Like I'm so blown away always by the men that I work with and how awesome their intentions are. Um, and so I do hear it from them though, like that they shut down their masculine power because they don't want to, they don't want to be part of the problem. They don't want to be accused of something. They feel and and it is really challenging for men because they're like, okay, if I if I'm not embodying my sexual energy and a woman and not in that pursuit mode, then a woman and friend zones me. And yet if I If I do, then, you know, in the moment, she could seem to be um, open to, um, you know, advances, things like that. But then the next day, she may think about it and be like, oh, actually, I I didn't like that. And you were too forward. And so they would rather just not date. Mm. (laughs) It's risky right now. Um, And then from like a dating perspective, I definitely see sides of it. I've seen guys that, um, I could tell were just totally like removed from that part of themselves. And then I still see other guys that are really aggressive to the point of, of being too aggressive. And like, I'm super passionate. I am half Italian. Like I definitely have like that sexual energy. And most of the time I'm like a full on yes. But even for me, I've come across guys that I'm like, you need to get it together. And I think that's where, Tantra is so effective at helping people. It's because you can have that amazing sexual energy just flowing freely through your body. Uh, but you can channel it, you can harness it, you can, you can embody it without it controlling you. And that's the difference.
0: Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that. And what I'm curious about now is like, okay, so that's what you're seeing with a lot of men. So the question is, like, where do we go from here? Like, Me Too movement's here. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Men are going to have to deal with the repercussions of that for decades, probably. So, how does a man operate in today's world? How does he go about dating? How does he go about interacting with women? Given all of this, like, like, what does he do now?
2: Yeah. So you you're right. We do have to um, we do have to exist in a new way in this current society. And again, not all of it's bad because there was a lot of bad shit going down that really did need to stop. Um, but for the guys that don't have any bad intentions that are really just there to, to be with a woman and are excited to meet somebody amazing to have a thriving relationship with. I I think that a big part of it, first of all, I think Tantra is about to just like blow up around the world because there's so many people that really need this right now and it's really relevant for the times that we're in and it's very helpful so, so I think that's that's part of what we're we're currently seeing and to see more of um but you have to communicate it's got to be consent step by step step by step um, I was out with a guy last week or the week before and like he he did that and it wasn't weird it was constantly is it okay if I touch is it okay if I put my hand on your leg Is it okay if I kiss you? Is it okay? You know? And it was like, and he did that. Like he was very, very good at consent the entire time. Um, and it didn't kill the mood at all. So I think that's a a thing that a lot of guys say, Oh, well, it kills the mood. It doesn't have to, it's like, if there's attraction there, if the mood is there, then asking for consent, isn't going to kill the mood. If there's not, um, if there's not consent, if she's, feeling something inside of her that said no, then you ask for consent, then she's going to be more likely to speak that. And so you may not get what you wanted because, you know, you gave her the opportunity to say no. So I think many men that say, oh, well, it kills the mood. It's because she was actually feeling a no and she just actually, she she just got to speak it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an important point. I think also to remember that maybe she's a no right now or she needs more time. Maybe she needs to connect deeper or have a few dates before being a yes. Uh, sometimes people are so conditioned to hear a no as this like massive personal rejection. And it's not what it is about. And no, it's simply honoring the person's like boundary where they are at in the moment and that things shift all the time. Uh, but I love that you really brought up that it's not a mood killing thing to ask for consent that it actually can enhance, in in my opinion, it can enhance the intimacy because then I feel more respected and, and cared for by the men. Um, and it can create a safe container for us both to explore and play for sure
2: it's great and it really is about emotional maturity which is so important in relationship and sex and is what most people are lacking mm-hmm. and we are so immature when it comes to talking when it comes to anything around intimate sex relationship we've just shut down we're like you know a two-year-old that's been put in the corner you know you're sitting there in, in time out and like that's the type of uh, that's the type of attitude people come into this, like, Oh, I'm, I'm being punished. I got to shut, shut down, you know, mm-hmm. and we've got to just grow the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we to completely them. agree. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if I could summarize for, uh, not only the men listening, but also the women, so they know what to look for in a man, <laughs> it would be, it would be a man who, um embraces healthy masculinity right so somebody that actually actively goes out and and participates in things that cultivate a healthy masculinity it would also be a man who has a high level of emotional intelligence or emotional maturity as you said or sometimes uh, called eq right um and then also a man who um communicates well and isn't afraid to ask for permission and do all that sort of consent stuff. So, like, if we encapsulated all that and we gave that to a guy and said, here, here's what you need to do, like, do we think that would, uh, that would be a good first step towards operating in today's post-MeToo society?
2: yeah I do and i I do not put this all on men. women have their own stuff to deal with when women have so much healing work to do, so much uh, work around their own sexuality and maturing as women. so this is not a one-sided conversation and clearly we're speaking to men and uh, talking about men in this in this conversation. Um, but just for the guys out there, this is not all on you like women have have their own their own stuff to do
1: yes absolutely i mean it takes two to tango so we got to remember that so we have our favorite question which we like to keep last for our guests um sarah we're very curious we want to know what is your best sexual talent and i'm gonna say that she also mentioned she's single so all pay pay attention
0: pay attention everybody she teaches tantra she's single so you might want to to write this down
1: (laughs) so tell us all about your best sexual talent sarah
0: (laughs) She's blushing. <laughs> oh
2: my goodness. Okay. I will have to say my favorite thing is deep throating. I love it, but I love like getting the cock in there and like choking on it. to like where my eyes are watering. And, but one of the cool things is that when I deep throat, I squirt, and it's just like an automatic response that happens. And, yeah, it's my fame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of the best answers we've had to that question. <laughs>
2: Definitely the most graphic one. That
1: exactly.
0: is
2: awesome. So
1: to all the men listening out there saying, huh, women don't like blowjobs, I'm like, that is so not true because Sarah's into jobs. it. I'm into it. So I'm just...
0: <laughs> she deep throats and, and she, she squirts. squirts.
1: Yes. <laughs> Winning combo there. <laughs> so now is the moment you get to tell all of our listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you. Um, of course we'll have the link to, um, your site soundtrackactivation.com um, forward slash Pussyology where they can get a free course, I believe. Uh, but yeah, just let them know where they can connect with you.
2: Yeah. So my website is tantricactivation.com uh, on Instagram, tantric activation, same Facebook as tantric activation. Uh, and then on Twitter is I am Sarah Rose. Uh, Sarah has two R's S A R R A H Rose. Uh, and then my podcast is sex and Sarah Rose.
1: Wonderful. Awesome. So go check those links out. If you want to hear more about Sarah's amazing skills. (laughs) (laughs) No, but also, um, I felt like we were very aligned. It's really nice because everything that you share, I think that we have been teaching, uh, on the show or in our courses. And it's nice to have other people who are sharing some of the same wisdom, because like you said, it is needed for this world. And the more, the merrier we need to spread this message. So thank you for doing the work that you're doing.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, you know, I would I would love for the listeners to remember one thing. We don't give the guests the questions ahead of time, mm-hmm. so we don't actually know what they're going to say, right? We haven't pre-discussed like this, so the fact that, that what Sarah is saying on the show happens to line up with what we're teaching, we didn't know that ahead of time. We didn't invite her on the show just because she agrees with our point of view, <laughs> right? And so I think that's important because what I want people to understand is that we're not the only ones, that there mm-hmm. are other people out there who understand this too, And, you know, the more voices that we have out there sharing this, the louder we can become, the bigger impact we can make.
1: Thank you so much for today's conversation, Sarah. It's been a delight and thank you all for listening and we will see you next week.